As many of you know, I came to Christ as a high school student. And I remember that my heart was so full. Jesus had revealed himself to me. My heart was pounding. I remember that next morning, I got up early, and I was reading the Bible, and God was just feeding me. About a month later, I was sharing my newfound faith with a neighbor of mine who happened to be about my age. And as I'm telling him about Jesus and about what Jesus had done for me, he said, well, Don, you know I'm a Christian, don't you? And I said, no, I didn't know that. I said, where do you go to church? And he said, well, I don't. He said, I don't believe you need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I was a baby in my faith. I didn't know much at the time, but it just didn't seem right to me on a number of levels. I was thinking, how can we grow if we're not with other believers? How can we grow if we don't have a sense that we're part of a bigger community. This morning what we're doing is we're continuing our series that is based on the Apostles' Creed. It's called, I Believe. And this morning we're taking one statement as we're going through, and we're going to talk about what it means when we say, I believe in the communion of saints. Now what we're doing in this series is we're seeing that the Apostles' Creed is connected to the Word of God. It's not disconnected. It, it fuels and it feeds what the Scriptures already teach. It summarizes what we believe. This statement is about 1,400 years old when it was finally finished, and it was used as a way to teach new believers what it matters, what matters in the Christian faith. And so as we begin this morning, I want to invite you to join me as we recite the Apostles' Creed together, you'll see it on the screens. And as we do this, I want you to think deeply about what you are affirming, what it is that we believe as Christians. And when we say these words, we are joining our voices with Christians throughout the world today, as well as Christians who have lived in the last 14, 1500 years. You see, friends, we are part of a great family. We are part of a, an eternal family, a great community of believers. And God has called us to live as community. And so we say these words together. Will you join me? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And if you believe these words, would you say amen? amen? Friends, these words matter. And as we talked about in the first week, if we come to the point in our life, I'm sorry, Beth, do I have, can you hand me that? I'm sorry, the, the little clicker, I can't, 
Can't preach without a clicker. We all know it's not funny, but I incur- I, I'm grateful you encouraged her this morning. <laughs> These words matter, and if you're ever in a place where something is being taught that is inconsistent with what the church has believed for the last 1,400 plus years, you need to be suspect, and you need to be careful. This morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about what it means that we believe in the communion of saints. And as I say that one phrase, there's two words here that I want you to see this morning, two words that, that are key to understanding what this means. First is the word communion. Think about this. It's common participation that we as Christians, as those who believe in Jesus, have in the saving blessings and the benefits of a relationship with Christ. Now, when you hear the word communion, what do you think about? The Lord's Supper, right? We call it communion in our church. It's the Lord's Supper. What are we doing? We are together, common. We're together. We're coming around the table of the Lord. We're celebrating what God has done for us through the death, the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the benefits the life that comes to us through what He has done for us. This is what we do as Christians. Now this morning, communion and gathering around the table is just one part of what communion means. It's far broader than that as we'll see this morning. It has to do with how we live among one another. And the other key word to understand here is the word saints. Now, some of you might be from a tradition or you have heard that saints means super Christians, right? That only very special people are saints. But that's not what it means. The New Testament uses this word to describe everyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, who have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. And as we have received that into ourselves, we become saints of God. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You don't have to be declared a saint by some church body. You are a saint. And you'll see that as you read the letters of Paul in particular. Well, he'll say, to the saints at such and such a church. Friends, all who become holy through faith in Jesus Christ are saints. So when he says, I believe, when we say, I believe in the community of saints, he's talking about how we participate together as the body of Christ in the benefits and the life of Christ himself. This morning, we're going to see the power of that. This morning, we're going to be challenged by what this, this sentence, this line in the Apostles' Creed, what it means and what it infers about how we should live our lives. So I've got three statements I want to give to you this morning. And as you see these three statements, I want you to think deeply with me about what this means as I am engaged as a Christian in this world. Here's the first one. 
The communion of saints means that Christians are not dependent, we are not independent, but we are interdependent. This is the basis of what being a part of the communion of saints means. When I say I'm, I'm a member of the communion of saints, when I say I believe in the communion of saints, what I am saying is I am not independent of other Christians. I am not dependent uh, upon other Christians. I am interdependent. We're going to look briefly at what that means. In America, we pride ourselves in being independent, don't we? We love that we are independent. What do we uh, celebrate on July 4th every year in America? Our independence, right? That's our Independence Day. We love independence. Here's the problem. We have many Christians in America who are go-it-alone Christians, like my friend I described at the beginning of the sermon. They're go-it-alone Christians. They're independent. They don't need anybody they believe. They think they can do it without anybody, any other Christians actively engaged in their lives. We like to pride ourselves. We have a statement in America, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. That means that we love the idea that we don't need anybody else, but we succeed on our own. There's a level of pride we take as American people that we don't need anybody. Friends, here's what I want you to hear. That is completely unbiblical. That is not Christian. We are connected to one another. We are not to be independent of one another. We are to be in a relationship with one another in such a way that we are giving and we are receiving. And without being in a relationship like that, it is going to be difficult for us to live out the commands of God, let alone remain faithful in our Christian walk. And I'm not talking about just coming to a church every Sunday. I'm talking about creating and deepening in relationships where there is a giving and a receiving that all of us desperately need as we celebrate together the benefits and the gifts and the treasures that are ours because of our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there are many passages that talk about this in the New Testament. Listen to this one that comes from 1 Corinthians 12. Now, to each one, each saint, each one of you, me included, to each one of us, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. God gives us the Holy Spirit. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that God gives us gifts that are not our gifts. They're not something that, that is ours. It's God's that he gives to us that empower us for what purpose? To build up the family of God, to build up the church. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about that specifically as we look a little deeper at the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that in just a few weeks. But listen to what it says in verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, there are many parts, but there is one body. Many parts, but we are one body. What the Bible teaches is that, that Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. We together are the body. Now think about the human body. The human body, just to do this, all that has to happen for me just to raise my hand. 
I have to send the message from my brain. I have to have muscles and neurons and, and also, boy, I'm getting way out of my pay grade here. But all sorts of things that have to happen for me to raise my, just raise my hand. You see, it's not my hand just doesn't decide to go up in the air. It's everything together, working together to make that happen. That's what the body of Christ is. That's what the church is. You might be the hand. I might be the foot. You might be the brain. Whatever it is, whatever part of the body you are, it is, it is us together, the communion of saints together, that live in such a way that we can impact the world as we share together the benefits, the blessings, the treasures that are ours because of Christ. Is that amazing? I think that's incredible. So we're not independent, but we're also not dependent. Now, there are times, hear this, there are times when we will be dependent. There will be times when we are in need, and we can't really contribute much. We need to receive. There are seasons of life like that. But by and large, friends, by and large, we are not to live that way. We are not to live in such a way that we are dependent all the time on the church or on other Christians. There are seasons where that will happen. Now, the Apostle Paul addresses this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He is scolding the church, Thessalonica, because what's happened is there are some Christians that have decided, I don't need to work. You're working. You'll take care of me. And so they weren't adding anything to the church. They weren't contributing anything. They were living in a completely dependent relationship with the church. The Apostle Paul scolds them, and he says to the church, have nothing to do with them. Now, again, there are seasons when we can only receive, because of of the nature of what's going on in our life, very appropriate. That is appropriate. But as a general rule, as you look at, the, at, at your life's journey, most of the time we are to be interdependent. Now, what is interdependent? Interdependent, it's simply, I have been gifted by Christ. I have received treasures from Christ. I have the Holy Spirit in my life. And I am to live in a relationship with you where I am serving you and I am receiving from you. Now, here's what I've learned in the church and I've seen in my own life. There are those of us who are better, more comfortable serving than we are receiving, right? Some of you know that's you. It's It's hard for me sometimes to receive. These coaches have been giving to me all week and it makes me uncomfortable. I'm much more comfortable giving. But the church is interdependence. I need you, you need me. Friends, if you are not engaged in the life of the church relationally with other believers in such a way that you are receiving from them and you are giving to them, then you are not living out what it means when we say, I believe, I believe in the communion of the saints. Friends, what I have realized is that this is true. Each one of you who knows Christ, you are a new creation. You have a new 
identity as an eternal child in an eternal family of the eternal God. And this is a life that we are to live in this world together, not independently, not dependently, but interdependently, where we are giving and we are receiving. And by giving, we are building up the church. By receiving, we are building up the church. This is powerful. This is amazing. I want you to hear this story. This really, really struck me. There was a journalist that was embedded with uh, some American uh, troops in the war in Afghanistan. And while he was embedded, one of the things that, he, that struck him was the interdependence of the platoon. The way that they were engaged with each other, where each one was responsible for the other. Now, this is a profound picture of the church. I have responsibility for you. You have responsibility for me. We are to be engaged with one another. But he wrote this. Listen to this. Now, remember, he's talking about soldiers. I'm talking about the church. Listen to what he says. He talks about the danger that they were living in. Margins were so small and errors potentially so catastrophic that every soldier had a kind of de facto authority to reprimand one another. In some cases, even their commanding officers. And because combat can hinge on small details, there was nothing in a soldier's daily routine that fell outside of the group's purview or their review or their willingness to comment upon. Whether you tied your shoes or cleaned your weapon or drank enough water or secured your night vision gear were all matters of public concern, and so all were open to public scrutiny. Here's why. He said, once I watched a private accost another private whose bootlaces were trailing on the ground. Not that he cared what it looked like, but if something happened out there, and he says, and out there, something always is happening. The guy with the loose laces couldn't be counted on to keep his feet at a crucial moment. It was the other's, other man's lives that he was risking, not just his own. There was no such thing as personal safety out there. What happened to you happened to everyone. Isn't this the way God describes the church? What does it say when, in Romans? When one mourns, what? We all mourn. When one rejoices, what? We all rejoice. But in America, we, in our American culture, in our Western culture, we have lost that sense of deep, profound connection with one another. Where your life matters to me as much as my life matters to me. Where there are people who love me enough to tell me the truth. People who care enough about me that they want to be involved and engaged in my life and to speak the truth in love and in a committed relationship. Friends, I need that and you need that. That is interdependence. Here's a second thing that I want you to see. And this one I'm going to go rather quickly. The communion of saints means, as members of the church, as those who are committed to the church, each of us shares in Christ, and each of us shares in the treasures, the treasures and the gifts that we receive from God through the Holy Spirit. This is profound. 
Listen to what it says in Romans 8.32. Paul is responding to a question, and it's a great question. And, and then he says this, speaking of God, he who did not spare his own son, for, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Christ, graciously give us all things? So it's a question about, will God really hang in there with us because we're broken people? Will God, will God continue to minister to us? Will, it, will he just throw up his hands and say, they're, they're worthless, they're never going to amount to anything, I'm tired of this? And Paul says, no. He says, no. He says, if God was willing to give up his own son, to sacrifice his own son for us, how much more does he want to give to us? So what does it mean? What is this more? In Ephesians 1, it says that God has already given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking right now, where are they, right? Where are these great blessings that I read about and, and are described? How come I'm not experiencing them? Two things. Number one, we experience more of them as we surrender more of ourselves to Christ. So as Paul says in, in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I li- who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Here's the second issue. We are not living in community as God intends. There's not a sense that we belong to one another. There's not a sense where we're allowing the lives of each other to empower and strengthen our own lives. We're not allowing God to speak to us and to, and to challenge us and to grow us through the deep and profound relationships of people who have permission to tell us the truth in the context of a loving, committed, caring relationship. Now, friends, having said that, here are the blessings that we celebrate as Christians that are just some of the blessings that are ours in Christ, such as an authentic relationship with God. We proclaim to you, Paul writes, what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. When God comes to us by faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus makes us holy so that now God, by his Holy Spirit, can live in us, in you and in me, so that we may know God. We may have a relationship with the Father and with the Son through the Spirit. Now, having said that, what does this have to do with community? Friends, we are inspired by people that God brings into our lives who are growing in their faith, who are growing deeper with Christ. Together, as God's people, we receive all of these gifts. They're for all of us. It's true for all of us. But when somebody is growing deeper with Christ, a deepening fellowship with, with the Father and the Son, that inspires the entire community. We read this, peace with God and in life. I love this passage in John 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, the minute you believed, 
The Father sent the Spirit in the name of Jesus into your life. And we read on, it says this, He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Spirit reminds us of God's truth. And then he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace, Jesus says, I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Are you troubled? Are you fearful? Do you lack peace in your life? God is offering us the peace of Jesus. And when we're together, we remind one another of that reality. We remind one another that God has already given us the Spirit of God, and through that, we receive the peace of Jesus. How is His peace different than the peace in the world? His peace has nothing to do with your circumstances. Imagine that. Most of us, we're at peace when life's going our way. As soon as things start to go bad, we lose our peace. That is not the way it should be for us as growing Christians. We see freedom from judgment through forgiveness. We'll talk about forgiveness next week. It's critically important. Most of us do not understand the forgiveness of God. Freedom from judgment through forgiveness. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know how powerful it is in the midst of shame and guilt to have another believer remind you of this truth and this reality? Yes, you have failed, and so have I. But there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? What a great truth. What a great reality. We also see the riches of God's grace. This whole passage in Ephesians 1 is so incredible. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We'll talk about that next week. The forgiveness of sins in accordance, in accordance, according to the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. It's not like he took an eyedropper and said, okay, here's a little bit for you, a little bit for you, a little bit for you. No, he took it and he lavished it on you. Do you feel lavished this morning? It's powerful when we're with God's people together and we're encouraging and inspiring one another. And then the fullness of God's love. That's great prayer in Ephesians 3. You hear me talk about it a lot. It's a powerful prayer that we would know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ so that we may be what? Filled to the fullness of God. We don't have to wait to die to be filled with the fullness of God. God wants to fill us with the fullness of His love. And in community, we wrestle with that. In community, we're reminded of that great truth. In community, we're inspired by those who are going deeper in their faith with Christ, growing deeper and experiencing and encountering more of the depth of the love of Christ. It has no limits. It has no boundaries. We hunger for that. What is the problem the world has? The problem the world has a love problem. They don't know love. They don't understand love. They haven't received love because love is received in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and then we're empowered as he fills us to love in ways we never thought were possible. And finally, purpose. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now hear this which God prepared beforehand. God prepared. He knows where He wants you to go. He knows who you are. He knows where you will find purpose in your life. 
Ah, that's profound. Here's the last thing I want you to see this morning. The communion of saints means, and this is a great challenge, folks. It means that every person who's part of a church, who's committed, and every Christian needs to be committed to a church. That is not something, as my friend believed, was, was a choice you can make. I can tell you, it is a, it is a decision of disaster. We need the body. We cannot live out God's commands without being part of a body. The New Testament assumes that you're part of a church family. And if this isn't your church family, find one where you can build relationships, where you can go deeper in your relationships. Listen to what it says. Each member, each part of the church should consider it your duty, our duty, our responsibility, our calling to use the gifts that God has given to us that we received in Christ to joyfully serve and to enrich one another. Listen to what it says in Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member, what's the word there? What does it say? Say it again belongs to one another. That's not an option. That's the church. That's the eternal family of God. We belong to each other. You see, in our Western culture, we think in terms of independence. Independence says, what do I need and how do I get it? Dependence says, what do I need and who can provide it? Interdependence asks two questions. The first question is this, what do you need? And what are the gifts and the treasures that I have so that I can provide that for you in your life? And then the second question is, what does God want for me and how can I receive that from the church? Don't you think it's interesting that God did not give any one believer all the gifts? Why would he do that? Doesn't that seem like it would make more sense? Give every Christian every gift. Why didn't he do that? I can only think of one reason. It makes us dependent on each other. It makes us interdependent. Because I have limited gifts. You have limited gifts. And I can't be all that God has called me to be without receiving your gifts. And you cannot be all that God has called you to be without receiving my gifts. And it makes us interdependent, belonging to one another. Isn't that powerful? That's such an extraordinary reality. Well, my friend, I ran into him over the last year. His mom is still living and lives in the neighborhood uh, where I grew up in Costa Mesa, or spent a lot of years in Costa Mesa, and my dad is still living and lives in the neighborhood. And my friend and I saw each other recently. He's not walking with the Lord anymore. I hadn't seen him in 40 years. He's not walking with the Lord anymore. Friends, I've never known a go-it-alone Christian who was experiencing the great things that God wants for them. We are not independent. We are not dependent as a, as a rule. We are interdependent. What does that mean for us? It means that we engage with each other. It means that we start to build 
deeper relationships. This is why we do small group ministry at Crosspoint. We want to get you, it's why we do Rooted at Crosspoint. We want to get you connected in a safe place where you have opportunity to build friendships, to build relationships, not like you experience in the world, but where there is trust, where there is protection, where there is safety, where there is honesty, and and where we can be genuine with each other, where we can actually confess our sins to one another and be reminded of the forgiveness of Christ. You know, friends, it's incredibly powerful for me when I make a mistake and make mistakes in my life for another believer to remind me that Christ died for that. Christ died for that. Let me close with this story. This is a story that comes from Max Lucado, and I can really um, relate to that. But before I say that, I just wanted to, to share this. This just really struck me this week as I was thinking about the impact the community of faith has had on me. I was thinking about my wife, Beth, and in our marriage, Beth has this incredible creativity and love to be in the presence of God. And one of her pathways is through music and worship and music. That's not my major pathway, but when I am so encouraged by that, and when she is passionate and passionate about worshiping in song, that feeds my soul. That strengthens me. Beth also has an incredible heart to serve and generosity. And her heart for generosity is in relation together has challenged me so that my heart has grown immensely in the area of generosity because of this relationship that I have with Beth. But it's not just in my family, in my marriage. Many of you know my friend, Pastor Kevin Harney. Pastor Kevin has a love for the Word of God. And often, God will give him a passage that he will share with me that I needed to hear in that moment for my life because I'm struggling with something or I need to be reminded that I'm kind of drifting away from God in an area of my life. And, I, and, and that word comes to me and it speaks to my life. And then his wife, Sherry, and Beth and I, they're really close friends of ours. And, and Sherry is very discerning. Sherry has this incredible heart for, for um, listening to God. And m- many of you know that because you've heard her or read her book. And, and Sherry has so many insights that God gives to her about the church. And as we serve together, God would just give her insight into the church and things that, we, that just were profound that helped us as a church to be more like God wanted us to be. Then there's um, Pastor Lon. I was thinking of you. You have such a gift for encouragement. And I can think of so many times when I've grown weary or discouraged, and his encouragement has just strengthened me and empowered me to continue on. I was thinking about Mike Barsamian, who's part of our church, and his amazing ability to ask probing questions that helped me to think bigger about, what, about the church. Friends, these are just a few of you people. That I, could, I could go on for hours describing so many of you and how God has used me in, in my life to help me become more of what God wants me to be. 
Here's the question. Do you have those people in your life? Have you opened your heart and your life to people in such a way that other believers now, other believers are part of that great cloud of witnesses and you indeed are communing with the saints? I want to close with this story. I love this. It's a Max Lucado story. It struck me. I read it a few weeks ago. It struck me because, I, as you know, as I shared with you last week, I just climbed a mountain that was really challenging for me, Alta Peak, and it was really hard to get up that thing for me. But, but I had encouragement of the people around me. And, and so this story really spoke to me. Listen to this. Every Thursday during a Young Life summer camp, 400 students make the 14,000-foot climb up Colorado's Mount Chrysolite. Now, 14,000 feet, friends. That's, I only went 3,000. This is woof. Several Young Life leaders and I, this is Max Lucado, walk with them. On one of those trips, somewhere around the number 4,000, 4,000 feet, a student named Matthew decided to call it quits. I coaxed him, I begged him, I negotiated a plan with him. 30 steps of walking, 60 seconds of resting. Finally, we stood within 1,000 feet of the peak, but the last stretch of the trail rose up as straight as a fireman's ladder. We got serious. Two guys came up beside Matt, each taking an arm. I pushed from the rear. We all but dragged Matt past the timberline and to the awesome view at the top. Oh, that's just... That's when we heard the applause. And doesn't that just, that's when we heard the applause. Friends, it's the church. This is the church. 400 campers on the crest of Mount Chrysolite gave Matt a standing ovation. As I slumped down to rest, a thought steamrolled my way. There it is, Max, a perfect picture of my plan. Do all you can in the church to push each other to the top. Was this a message from God? I don't know, he says, but it does sound like something God would say. Friends, isn't that a beautiful picture of the church? Standing alongside one another, pushing each other forward. We can't do that alone. We can't do that if we're not connecting. We can't do that if there are people who don't know our lives, we're so independent, we don't let anybody in. The church is safe. It is secure. It's a place where you can become more of what God wants you to be. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the power of your gospel. Thank you for the truth of your church. Lord, thank you for the communion of saints. Lord, we are, as it says in, in Hebrews 12, we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses. Yes, those who have gone before us, but also those who surround us, witnesses to the power of Christ. Lord, help us to become the church that you have created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.